When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, what a play! Welcome back, everybody, into the Sooner Sports Podcast. Jess and Meg style are a second edition of this revamped ladies podcast, the OU Women's Wednesday. And uh, we appreciate all you guys tuning in, listening, downloading, subscribing last week. And we had a lot of you guys tuning in. We appreciate that so much. We hope you continue to keep it here with us as we continue to spotlight some of the awesome, awesome ladies at the University of Oklahoma. This week, we've got one of our faves. She is a fireball, energetic, Love talking to her. She's got this infectious personality. Lindsey Gray Walton of Oklahoma Volleyball. We like to call her as LGW because she is that much of a boss lady. She can just go by three letters. Meg gets to work with her a lot, uh, being that she covers volleyball uh, on a weekly basis. Meg, I can only imagine how enjoyable it is to get to uh, go to volleyball practice and, and interact with Lindsey Gray Walton. Yeah, Jess, without a doubt, one of my favorite coaches at the University of Oklahoma. She's likable. She's honest. She fangirls over Patty Gass, so I'm not going to be honest about it. She's very personable, but also her knowledge of the game of volleyball. She's such a fantastic coach. I'm lucky and fortunate to have the job that I have because when we do Southwest, 
uh, I get to listen to the huddle hits, right? So live game action, I'm listening to what head coach Lindsey Gray Walton is saying to her team in the middle of a match. And without ever playing volleyball, I'm ready to run through a wall for that woman. So <laughs> she is so cool. One of the coolest coaches on campus and has really turned this program around. So super excited for you guys to uh, hear from her, but also keep listening after we interview Lindsey Gray Walton. Jess, our very own Jessica Cootie, will take you through some of the Sooners in the draft. And I think it's a different perspective than what you'll hear from most people. So definitely keep listening with the NFL draft uh, coming this week. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get to that interview coming up right after this break. Lindsey Gray Walton of Oklahoma Volleyball here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. All right, thanks a lot, Jess. This episode of the Sooner Sports Podcast is presented in part by AT&T. AT&T, America's best network. Coca-Cola, share a Coke with a teammate, rival, or friend. Coca-Cola, official partner of the Oklahoma Sooners. Interested in OU football season tickets for the 2020 season? Visit the football ticketing page on Soonersports.com today to fill out an interest form. Don't miss a second of the action. OG&D. Power at the speed of life. And later in the podcast, we'll hear from our friends at Brahms Ice Cream and Dairy Store. Farm fresh for over 50 years. Now, Jessica Cootie. All right, welcome back to the Sooner Sports Podcast. So I have to admit, I um, did not get the first part of this interview recorded. My bad, guys. Luckily, um, didn't miss much of it, but we, we kind of opened it up with her talking about what life has been like quarantine style for Lindsey Gray Walton. Um, literally everything she says is so interesting. It's so fun to hear her talking about it. You know, she's talking about how her husband got a putting green. She got a Peloton bike, but uh, you know, she's not definitely not a first grade teacher uh, teaching her daughter, uh, but just overall so positive. And that's what she talked about the importance of finding the positives in this situation, the silver linings. And I thought it was interesting her talking about how like, you know, she with her team, she didn't have to have that conversation that, hey, your season's over, your season's cut short. And, you know, talked about how they're, they're trying to find what they can, how they can utilize this time to be better. Yeah, Jess, and that's exactly where we're going to pick it up with this LGW interview. I think the first question I asked her that we have taped is, look, everyone's talking about the winter sport athletes or the spring sport athletes, whether they got a year of eligibility or they didn't get a year of eligibility or football, right? Everyone's talking about football, a sport that basically funds an entire athletic department, but no one's talking about those other fall sports. What's it's been, what it has been like for volleyball and soccer. So that's what we will pick it up without further ado. Here is head coach of the Sooner volleyball team, Lindsey Gray Walton. What was that day like for you when everything was shut down? Yeah, I mean, half of our kids were in route to spring break and had their swimsuits packed because they were heading to Florida. And so they came back to reality, you know, being diverted to go home. And that's the suitcase they've been working with for the last, <laughs> since they broke for spring break. And, um, you know, that's hard on, on them because it, you create some fear when there's, oh, you can't come back. You can't do these things. So for our freshmen, you know, they're scheduled on certain dates come and check out and that that's been tough the the idea when we left for spring break because we broke that Wednesday before and then 48 hours happened and all of a sudden 
you know, things as we do it were different. And um, we were just expecting, okay, two weeks of online class. And then, you know, just things kept getting extended. That's just what we're kind of working within is we don't want to give you a date that's unrealistic, but we need to give you something that gives you a light at the end of the tunnel because um, for everybody, you know, that there is going to be a return to something. So, yeah, it's uh, that's been interesting for us. I don't know if they feel like they lost so much because, quite honestly, we were pretty banged up. Um, we had numbers, but, like, again, I can't harp on the silver lining. You know, maybe if we get this season, you know, for this senior class, maybe it was the best thing that could have happened for us was to, to lose the spring wow. opportunity to just be together and – Maybe that's what this group needed the most of, and that's being really open and honest. But you know, we had really done some work on ourselves up until that point, and to see all of that shut off, you know, I think this is going to be that time where that self-reflection mode maybe came a little bit quicker than the plan asked for it. And so, yeah, that's um, yeah, that's another tangent, but that's kind of where my mind goes for the group. That's awesome. So I know it, it changes a lot of your perspective as a coach, but you know, I remember sitting down with you right when you got hired and just being so excited about the future of the program and you look in a year, you got them back to the tournament. You guys made your uh, NCAA tournament debut as a Sooner head coach last year. So I think, how does that kind of change? Was that kind of on pace of what you expected? Do you, when you take over a program and you're trying to kind of implement your thumbprint, how does that kind of evolve now as you go into year three? Yeah, I think, you know, you have to sell the vision of what you're wanting to build the program into on day one and there forward. You can't be incremental about the vision. The vision is the vision and the goals can be incremental to it. So we felt, you know, by the people we had here, the, the surrounding people that were going to be a part of the program, um, the time and effort that both parties could, you know, really put into it. Yeah, we had we had expectations that we could do it, uh, you know, and I think we were, as a staff, disappointed. And you think back to the what-ifs in that first season even because we knew deep down we had the people um, and we had the pieces. Maybe we just didn't have quite enough time or, or you know, whatever it was. But we were disappointed as a staff because we felt like we had – we had enough. We just didn't do enough as a staff for them. And so, you know, that's where going into year two, you're like, okay, we return this not to add pressure, but how do we embrace that? How do we, you know, there is a target on our back now. You know, we have quickly created that and that's a good thing. And so, um, you know, the, um, just the embrace of competition. I think, we learned anything last night from the first two episodes of Injuries. You want to do your ultimate best to the best of your abilities. And if you're not competing, then why are you even doing it? If you're not trying to do it to your best, why are you even doing it? And so we can, wanted to compete at a championship level from the first day of practice. You know, in that gym, you have to create that environment. Practice needs to be tougher than it is going to be in a match. And we needed to enhance our strengths and, you know, kind of mask our weaknesses. And we were able to do that. But we had belief in buy-in. And so now the cool part is you see that snowball really starting to roll. And um, that, it just, it takes a continuous effort. It's like a little kid 
you, know, you, you can't just wake them up in the morning and put a diaper on them and give them a bottle and think that they're going to be good for all 24 hours. Like, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You got to check in on them. You know, you got to you change the diaper. You got to change them probably. Give them some more food. Take them on a walk. Keep them active. You like, there is constant care. You know, these are humans. These are people. They're impressionable. They're 18 to 22 year olds. All they want to feel is needed and appreciated and wanted and in this time of real uncertainty, that's all we can make sure that they, they get from us is that we're here for them and, and all of that. And so um, that's what it's been since day one. That's how it will be for, you know, our time here at Oklahoma forever long that hopefully may be. So um, we want to win a national championship. We want to win a big 12 championship. You have to say those goals out loud and you have to be really brave to do that. Um, but you, then you have to surround yourself with people that are going to bet on themselves and buy into that vision and go, you know, full throttle and make it happen. And I think we've done that from top down staff to people and that are part of the program, future recruits. Um, that's what we've been able to sell them on is the vision because they are going to be the ones that do it. It hasn't been done yet. It's awesome. Coach, I went back and listened to the interview Jess and I did last time we did the podcast. You had been hired for all of a month, I think. You had just arrived to Norman. I still and- talked as much, though. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. <laughs> the topics that we went into was how do you know you're ready for that next step from going to from the being the assistant coach to a head coach at a Power Five program. And I do want to ask you, what have been the challenges that maybe you didn't see coming two years ago that you've had to experience? And then on the other side, what have been some of the rewards that you didn't really expect? I think that question in itself has the same answer because it's the massaging of relationships, right? That, and just the management of people and the emotional intelligence that you have to have. And so as opposed to diving into all the X and O's books that I could about volleyball and gamesmanship and, you know, culture, but it is more about the emotional intelligence of people and what makes people tick and how you make, you know, two different types of people click and work together and see that their, their differences aren't dangerous, but they're really, you know, they can be a really good thing and they're a balancing act. Um, so it's, massaging of relationships and the management of people um and that's all across the board staff to team to you know how do you motivate someone to do more than they did yesterday when they did pretty good yesterday you know how do you make an all-american want to be a a three-time all-american that you know that's what coach riley is is grappling with every day you know we want how do you want to be known as the best competitor on the floor. You know, you never let a rep go, you know, we want the all Americans. We want all those things, but, um, and it's been cool. So in the 24 plus months, right. That we've already been here, the massaging of the relationships, not to manipulate, but to create the, Hey, take off the blinders and, and look at this situation from all of these perspectives. Okay. Now, how would you react? Oh, okay. You know, and so getting them to kind of develop their emotional awareness. And the cool part has been the relationships that now you never thought 24 months ago were going to be are like, they're like this. And 
when you have someone that's going to go with you through whatever thick and thin, like that is really, really cool to see. And, and I think that's a, a maturity that as coaches, we want light bulb moments. We want people to see themselves do something they have never done before. We can say that that's volleyball all day long. But it's just like a snippet. <laughs> you know, it's more, okay, you reacted differently that time. That was awesome how you were able to, before you just went 100%, you know, old so-and-so style, you were able to take the blinders off, look at it from some different perspectives, whatever that may be, um, or just you know, taking hold of a moment, like taking ownership of something and making it their own. That's, that's beautiful because, you know, we don't need to micromanage those areas. That's where you've, you've created a passion inside of someone that they are driven to do their thing. And you just have to fine tune. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword there, Meg, because the answer for the question of what's been most surprising and what, um, for me to learn. And then also for me to see, it's the same answer there. And, you know, um, it's what boils it down to everything. Like what I said, I'm missing out on most is the relationships. Wow. That's cool. Hey, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, the Michael Jordan, the last dance documentary. Of course it was all the rage. Um, it, it was so well done. I'm obsessed with it. Were you a Jordan fan growing up? So I was my, I was a KU basketball fan. Uh-huh. I grew up 20 minutes down the road. Yeah. So I was a Roy Williams fan. Uh-huh. And then I never really got into professional basketball until I met my husband. I was like, why don't you like college basketball? How are you not like March Madness? He's like, I do. But why wouldn't you want to put the best of the best on one floor together? And so then when you start, yeah, that's a whole other story for another day. But um, I think I became a Jordan fan as of late when you really start to dissect the greats in their sport right. and what made it great. Um, and that it didn't just happen when he was with the Bulls. You know, like it obviously stemmed from somewhere else. And so that's been pretty cool to see through throughout and I mean I just think 2020 in general it's brought to light some some great people that were you know um you know great in their sport but then ambassadors for females and female sports so you know I think somebody tweeted out last night you know it's okay for us to like MJ LeBron you know Kobe we can like them all like they're all great and yeah so I don't know but I mean, takeaways from Roy Williams talking about how there's no on and off switch. But and he, he never freaking turned it off. Yes, I love that part. You're like, heck freaking yes, because we talk about it all the time. No one is good enough to turn it on and off. Nobody. Like, nobody is. Yep. And we have a select handful of kids that have walked through OU that can do that in their sport. But that is not. You know what I mean? And it just... That tells you he's a competitor because he never wanted to turn it off. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. That's, that's what I took away from it. And I'm like, okay, so that's why I compete with like putting the laundry away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I also like the part where they said he's the best at what he did of anybody of anything that anybody's ever done. Like he's the best at his job of anybody. Uh, I, I loved it. I, I can't wait for the whole series. Who So who was your childhood idol then? Oh, gosh. Well, I grew up playing softball. So like – uh, Lisa Fernandez. I wanted to be her. I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. Totally. I'm going to be a guest. So I really said that one day. Oh, now I get to work in the same department as her, which is pretty cool. So, um, 
But yeah, I mean, I had, I had females in softball and then I remember like just being in a, a small town of not that I grew up in, but going back to visit my mom's family because she was from a big family you know, what did you do on Friday night? We went to the high school football game, which yeah. was on Saturday. We were going to the, you know, the, the brunch before we have the basketball game at two. And then we, you know, there was everything around high school athletics. So I just loved sports. I don't know if I had players, but I loved atmospheres, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I love being around big crowds and getting to see people get really excited. And I knew things were happening good when, people were reacting that way and I loved it. And I knew I wanted to be on the floor making those moments. So that's kind of where things connected for me as an athlete. Um, and then in college, I mean, I had neighbor, like my neighbor was Calvin Johnson, you know, wow. like the Detroit lions wide receiver. Like, so I was surrounded by really good athletes and I didn't even know it at the time. Like it was just, that was crazy to me. And, um, Yeah. So throughout, I think I've become fan of major epic sports icons as of late, as I've been able to read more about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously like YouTube helps, right? Yeah. So I tell people the story all the time that my mom was like wicked about um, TV in general. So just to make us work harder, she would take the remote with her when she left the house. (laughs) Like, just so we would have to, like, sit like this on the TV to change the channel. So I was like, I don't have time for that. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But um, I can only imagine who they would be today if I had access to social media the way our kids do today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned Patty Gasol. Again, going back to that first interview two years ago, you were, like, on your interview, and you're like, I want to meet her. So I can get a picture. Maybe if I don't get hired, I still get to meet Patty right. Gasol. How has that relationship evolved over the course of two years? Like what have been your questions to her in terms of winning? Yeah, I I think more than anything, Patty, to me, when she speaks, you listen. You know, you don't, that's one time where I'm pretty quiet. (laughs) (laughs) I ask the question, I just, that's the secret. And more, yeah, more if anyone's creating conversation around her, I want to be listening to that. You know, it's, it's her, it's Skip, it's Lon, it's Sherry, it's, you know, it's uh, Lincoln, it's KJ. I mean, all of us youngsters, I think Audra, myself, um, just even Ryan, Mark, like we just sit there kind of drooling, (laughs) listening in those head coaches meetings. I do at least maybe, but um, because this is coming from someone who has, has lived a lot of seasons and seen a lot of things. So what I might want to feel right now, I probably need to listen to how I, not how I should feel, but same way I was talking about earlier, the emotional awareness and intelligence that she has as a coach um, and, you know, her players, what they say about her and how they were able to come back. I think that's a big sign of respect is – when your people want to come back and be a part of it because it was that special when they were. And so that's maybe what I've learned the most. It's not just stopping by every day. Hey, I got a question of the day. It's in that engagement, getting to see her in those coaching moments. You just watch, you listen, you're an observant outsider, you know? That's awesome. 
speaking along those lines, um, I think we saw last night, obviously with the, the shoes on, on social media with, with coach Riley, um, the innovation that he does recruiting, but you know, I, I was doing an interview in the football facility one day and you brought a recruit in there and, you know, just, I guess, we hear that a lot from the head coaches at OU, how the football team is really big on recruiting, but how has that kind of affected your recruiting being that you work with one of the best football programs in the country? Uh, oh man. I mean, you can go for days about the why on Oklahoma, but it's the brand that, Oklahoma football has been able to create along with the partnership of the academic university that, you know, it, it's a power couple. <laughs> it's like, why not? And so, and I think the beauty of Oklahoma football and Joe is they've embraced whoever that person is, you know, Barry, Bob, or Lincoln over the years, they have embraced that role of what the head coach of Oklahoma, what comes with that? You know, it, there is some onus to the recruiting piece, I believe, of I affect my own program, but also it is a trickle to everybody else. And, you know, we talk a lot about accessibility. People want access to whether it's the facilities, the campus tours, the staffs, and Lincoln has made himself completely accessible. And I think that's a beautiful thing because when times – when people want to be closed off or secretive or not really help, and they only want to do their thing for their program, um, he understands the benefit. If I open my doors, doors open for everybody, and we all become better. And, you know, I think that is a beautiful thing that very few coaches really understand that when they step into that role of becoming a head coach, all of a sudden there is a little bit of onus on, you know, I got to do some things that maybe don't fall under my job description of football coach, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, um, and that's even for me, like volleyball coach, that's for administrators. Like we wear a lot of different hats. And so I think we talk a lot about community. We talk a lot about family. We talk a lot about student athlete experience. If we're going to talk about it, we need to be about that. And we all have, dove, you know, just dove into that. I think head first and, that's from Annie, that's from Lincoln, that's, you know, from Sherry and, and her staff down with basketball and lawn. I mean, we've got some pods on campus that I think are really starting to embrace how to make their staffs and their programs accessible, um, embrace technology, embrace youth, and, you know, it's, it is working. And the cool part about it is it's not just talk. You know, there is success there to the process that um oklahoma you know provides well even diving deeper into your recruiting mind specifically when you were an assistant coach at kentucky you had seven recruiting classes all in the top 25 you come to oklahoma you bring a couple transfers and boom you're back to the ncaa tournament you bring the centers back to the postseason what do you look for in some of those younger players I mean, I mean, like, talk about the MJ last night, ultimate competitors. You know, you have to – it's not going to be easy early, you know, and being honest, too, in that process of here's how you can help us right now. And I think kids like to hear honesty. They like to see where they fit into that vision. Um, 
we had a lot of things happen the right way for us. We retained the talent that was here. They had recruited good talent, good people. We had the opportunity to bring people to the program that infused the areas we knew we could be great at. Um, you know, it just there, there's a little stroke of luck that has to go along with, with success at times, but also the consistency. So I think, you know, we couldn't be picky. We had to say, okay, what is their elite skill that we can, you know, enhance even more? Um, what do they bring to us that we don't have? What, um, what is the longevity of that? You know, there's some core values that go along with it. We're never going to sacrifice the character over that talent. You know, they have to be a good person, but also there's something special about an alpha, you know, and you got to let your thoroughbreds run a little bit at times because it, they will take people with them when they figure out how to. So, um, you know, there's, that is all stemmed from, you talk about how I was, you know, with coach Gasso and is there a question a day or, you know, what do you do when she's talking? You listen, you know, I listened when my coach spoke back at Kentucky, you know, because he came from Nebraska. And so there was just this lineage of listen, learn, but make it your own. You know, you have to make it your own. Otherwise people aren't going to buy it. It's just fake. And so I think, you know, you have to find a, a reason why um, there's a development of trust. There's a relational piece. There's a development of them as a person. Um, we're going to be able to prepare them for a lot of things here and we're going to be able to propel them off. And so type of person, I mean, in terms of positional, those are things, but you need to be an ultimate competitor. And that's like, you want to get an A, not a B. You want to, um, you know, you feel accomplished just by doing something every day. You don't like sitting on the couch. Idle time isn't good for you, you know, but also, there's a way for you to detach. You have other hobbies, you have other interests because this is going to be taken away at some point. So there's a lot of those things um, that we really want to make sure we look for and, and kind of dissect before they become a part of the team. But we embrace this as like a melting pot. And I think we all should. <laughs> we only get better if you have more people that are different than you. So um, that's something that we've really tried to focus on, not only the skill, but you know, the person behind that skill set. That's awesome. So multiple times you've brought up Oklahoma softball. I've got an idea. I think we need to get you out there and see if you can hit G. Juarez. Doubtful. <laughs> Doubtful. I don't know. If it, she's hit me with the drop or the screwball. Not sure. Um, everybody back in the day could tell you I didn't like it low and outside. So just go ahead and paint the edges there, girl. And I'm going to be toast. I can tell you that. So Patty tried to get me in the box with Paige Parker. I was like, uh-uh, no way. <laughs> she wants to play softball so bad well their season got cut short due to covid so we're in the garage working on um swinging the bat and the tee and i'm just doing like the the softball one two three so whether it's coach gasto or something i just do like a little you know, video on the <laughs> table of like a, we need to lift it off the shoulder step you know we want to throw the elbows the wrists i don't know what we're doing but I kind of had to go back to what I was learning as like an 11 year old. And I'm like, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if she'd teach this. I don't, I don't want it to be any less than Patty Gasso, right? I don't want it to be any less than the best. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Well, Coach Fulton, we could talk to you literally all day long. I told you it was going to be 10 minutes, and we've already gone almost 30. Podcast rolls on in a bit more with Jess and Meg, but right now we are joined by Amanda Bouchow with Brahms Ice Cream and Dairy Stores. And, boy, we're Brahms family, Amanda. We're all in. I mean, I'm telling you what, it's a junior scoop of chocolate ice cream. Uh, Everyone's order for the family sometimes changes by the – uh, diversity and the different needs that they might have on that day. But I think more than anything else, we want to make sure everyone knows Brahms is open and the great ice cream, the great, great burgers that you love are still there, but so is the fresh market that you can walk into kind of lay out for everyone. How Brahms is still very much in business and very much here to serve you. Absolutely. And we appreciate you guys being a Brahms family. We um, just want to let people know, you know, our drive throughs are still open at all stores. Uh, takeout is open at some stores, but not all. So make sure you check our website. Um, you can go just to Brahms.com, and there should be a banner at the top or bottom that says COVID-19 updates, and that will have all that info for people. Um, but the Fresh Market is open at all stores as well, and people can come in and get their groceries. Almost all of our Fresh Markets are staying well-stocked. We've got eggs, meat, milk, butter, all the main essentials that people have had issues getting. Um, they're actually being pretty well stocked in almost all of our fresh markets. So if anybody's having any issues getting their items, they can check us out. Also, we're a lot smaller and have a lot less foot traffic. So that's also an added perk during this time. You know, I I think that's one area that's very, I don't want to ever say underappreciated, Amanda, but underrated when it comes to Brahms. And maybe not a lot of people are aware that it is open. And that is the fresh market, cookies, ice cream, milk, you name it, you guys have it there. Absolutely. And, you know, ice cream, you can't forget the ice that's cream. Right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> the ice cream that's in there as well. But uh, from, from that perspective, it's open and you can walk in and you can get whatever you need. And that's a great benefit, I think, for a lot of people that are in need right now. Absolutely. You can be in and out in no time. Um, there's usually not even a line, which makes it really nice because you don't even really have to come in contact with many people. Can you kind of take us through what's been the key through all of this to keep everyone together, to keep them inspired and keep that positive mindset going forward? And I'll just share from my personal uh, – every day we, we probably go to Brahms because my six-year-old will only eat Brahms fries. So we always go to the one that's right off what is that, 24th and Lindsay here in Norman. Never bad attitude, never a frown. Everyone's always upbeat. Amanda, what's been the key to keeping that positive attitude? You know, we just try and keep the positive attitude throughout, um, you know, telling the employees that, you know, if they have any concerns, they can let us know. We are trying to keep them informed and make sure that the management's keeping them informed. And, you know, we're just happy that we're able to remain open and help people. And our employees have been wonderful. They're always grateful and they help everyone that comes through when they can um you know they're just really about having a smile on their face and passing it on to the next person it really is amazing to see how wonderful people are during times of crisis and a couple more and we'll let you go amanda bouchard is with us from brahms ice cream and dairy stores you can go to brahms.com and you guys have a page that's dedicated to the protective steps that you're keeping to not only keep your team members safe and healthy but your guest as well too How important is it to have a resource like that where your customers and your workers can see the steps you guys are taking? Uh, We think it's vital. You know, people 
that's one of the main things people are concerned about getting out, which is understandable. And we just wanted to be able to provide that information with them. And, you know, we're changing, even though things are changing daily, we're working hard to try to keep up. Um, one of the biggest issues has been keeping personal protective equipment stocked. Uh, we're working on getting masks and more gloves for all the employees. Of course, it's been a little bit of a challenge, but we're hoping to have those in this week and be able to get those out for all of our employees. And of course, we've shared even like the CDC video on how to make your own video. So if for some reason an employee can't get a hold of any of the disposable ones for work, you know, we're, we even went out and got homemade ones so cool. <laughs> to try to help out. I was just going to let you guys know there are, if people don't know, and, you know, they're craving something sweet. We've got six new ice creams out right now, too. Oh, We've got, um, yeah, and they're amazing. We've got a red velvet brownie, a caramel cone, churro, confetti cookie, lemon blueberry, and salted caramel truffles. So those are amazing if anybody wants some new ice cream to try. And during these times when we're quarantined and whenever we're trying to find some positive, nothing brings a smile no more than ice cream. And whenever you add new flavors, oof, Amanda. So which one right now is on the top of the depth chart? Have you picked a favorite of the new flavors yet or no? I have. I definitely love red velvet brownie. And I'm a caramel person, and we've got two – caramel flavors but i i can't resist that red velvet brownie it's got cream cheese uh like icing throughout it oh my gosh it's so good <laughs> final thought amanda <laughs> and i'll let you get out of here the most important point that we need to make and that i hope people hear through this brahms is open the drive through is open and the walk-in fresh market is open as well too we just want to make sure people realize that more than anything right Absolutely. And, you know, we want people to know we're working to keep the stores sanitized so that it's a safe environment for them and for the employees. Amanda, thank you so much for your time on the Sooner Sports Podcast. We appreciate it. And thank you so much for your support of Sooner Athletics. Thank you so much for having us. Have a great day. For Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma updates, please check out bcbsok.com. With regard to medical treatment, members should call the number on their ID card for answers to their specific benefit questions. Our members' well-being remains our top priority as we continue to monitor developing news about COVID-19. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, website is the best source for all the most up-to-date COVID-19 information. Whataburger is open. The drive through is open 24 hours a day or order online for curbside pickup 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. daily. And Slim Chickens. There's a lot of reasons to order online. Pick up at Slim and Slim Chickens. There's a lot of reasons to order online and pick up at Slim Chickens. Get started at SlimChickens.com or download our app. Here's what's on tap presented by Hug and Hall. Two huge football games on our classic sports broadcast. Relive the Sooners' dramatic win over Ohio State in Columbus from 2017 plus the wild 2016 game between Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield as OU battles Texas Tech. Also on Friday's pod, we have a complete recap of round one of the NFL draft. That's presented by Hug and Hall. Hug and Hall Equipment Company now offers a site screening tent package for any customer wanting to set up a covered area to screen employees and visitors before entering. Contact Hug and Hall today. Okay, guys, so Jessica Cooney has covered OU football so closely for so many years, and we thought it would be a cool idea to get her perspective on the Sooners who will be drafted this week, starting Thursday, of course. I say her perspective because she not only covers the games on and practices on the field, but she gets to know some of these athletes on a closer level by doing features on them, long-form stories of their lives, 
whether it was something they had to overcome, a personal struggle, a family struggle, or something that lies ahead, these guys truly open up to her more than anyone else. So a long explanation to what I don't think was truly necessary. Most people know what you do, Jess, but let's start with wide receiver CeeDee Lamb, one of the best receivers in college football. And look, the numbers speak for themselves, but just his pure athleticism and explosiveness is second to none. So Jess, what is the argument for CeeDee Lamb as the number one receiver in the draft? Yeah, look, I don't claim to be uh, Chris Plank here. I am not the uh, NFL draft guru. I don't spend a lot of time, but I can give you a perspective of, of what these players are as people and what's their background and what, what people are saying about them. You know, I've been able to cover Pro Day for the last several years and, and I've talked to scouts about some of these guys and kind of what are their pros and cons. So I think that's where maybe in, in – to be honest, I get I get asked from scouts um, about these guys too because look, you're not just taking these guys as football players; you're taking them as people. And how are they like to deal with in interviews? How are they like with the media? That's a big part of it too. And you're investing a lot of money in these kids, and so they do their due diligence. And so um, it, it's all phases. It's not just hey, what you do on the football field? Hey, do you not stay in trouble? It's what do you do in the community? Are you going to be a good representative of our organization? There's a lot of money that goes into this, so they cover all of their bases, especially especially for those top-tier guys, the guys that are, are going in that first round. So CeeDee Lamb, definitely one of those guys that has the potential to go in the first round. Always kind of crazy um, with wide receivers because you never know. Um, you know, last year it was, it was pretty hands down uh, predicted that Marquise Brown was going to be the, the first receiver taken, and he was, but it was at the very end of the first round. So you never know, you know, what teams take when and, and how that kind of shakes out with what they need. But I think for the most part, most people, especially the people that have worked with CeeDee Lamb, think that he is hands down the number one receiver. And I think it goes for a several different different reasons. Um, I mean, you, you see his big play capability. I think that's obvious for people when you watch him play. But – I think the things like, um, you know, his blocking is huge, his route running, the, the things that maybe, you know, with receivers that kind of set the great ones apart from, from the ones that are just playmakers. CeeDee Lamb is more than just a playmaker with the ball. He's a playmaker without the ball. And I got a chance to do a, a piece on him this year. What's absolutely mind-blowing about CeeDee Lamb is what he did, and he never really had a chance to work with a quarterback for more than six months or a year Kyler Murray is the exception to that because Kyler Murray was the backup but you know he came in as a freshman and only worked with Baker for a few months and then was the third leading receiver and actually set the big 12 or set the OU freshman record for receiving yards he was as a freshman with Baker Mayfield <laughs> So, and that's it. That's going along with guys like Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews that were on that team as well. So for him to still be a guy that Baker call on that much says a lot. Then you go, and then he has to, um, you know, working with a new quarterback with Kyler Murray, which again, like I said, Kyler was the backup. So he did have some time to build some chemistry. And I think it showed the chemistry between those two being that they did get to work together for a little over um, what about a year, two years. And then you, Tyler and here comes Jalen Hurts and that was even quicker than any of them that he had to build the chemistry with that so you you look at what he was able to do with three with the back-to-back -back number one overall picks the back-to-back -back Heisman Trophy winners and the Heisman Trophy runner-up and another guy that's particularly going to go pretty high projected 
um, says a lot about CD. And so I say all that to say I got a chance to talk to those three quarterbacks, Baker, Kyler, and Jalen, about CD. And, and it's just really astounding what they have to say about how good of a teammate he is and how he doesn't care. Look, every, every wide receiver wants the ball, but actually CD loves it when he – when he breaks off a big block and a guy scores off of his block, he loves being a decoy. He loves everything about playing the game of football. And Roy Manning told me this, a guy that the cornerbacks coach for Oklahoma who saw him day in and day out, he loves playing football. That's what separates him. Not everybody loves it like CD and CD loves it. And I think, you know, all of the things into one package, I think is what makes him the best wide receiver. You might say, some of the other receivers do this better, this better. But I think if you look at the total package, there is not a better receiver than CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, and you didn't even mention the yards after the catch. Dude is nuts. <laughs> I, I don't think I need to the things that people know. I mean, it's yeah. just he's a playmaker, and he's unbelievable. I, one thing, too, I will say this about CeeDee, going back to him being a great teammate. We, we did a series with these guys being drafted and, and um, just it's actually dropped the first episode um, uh, the round table, the OUDNA round table. And the question was asked, what was your favorite game that you played in at OU? What was your favorite game at OU? CeeDee Lamb said the Baylor game that he was sidelined for because of an injury. I was, I mean, that speaks volumes to me about CeeDee Lamb that he could have picked any of the games that he went off, that he, he set multiple records. He had games where he had three touchdowns. He had nearly 200 yards receiving, and he picked the game that he didn't even play in. I mean, it's just, he's a team guy, and his team loves him. He's so loved in the locker room, and he was from the second he stepped on campus, and so he's going to be loved by whatever locker room, whatever NFL locker room he steps into. Okay, so another guy who is very well-respected, very well-loved is Kenneth Murray, K-9. Uh, this player has tremendous leadership. I've seen some of your pieces that you've done on him. What do teams like about K-9? Well, I mean, Kenneth has the it factor and his intangibles that, you know, maybe don't even show up on a game film. I mean, he's an incredible leader. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've done this for um, a while now, and I just don't know if I've, I've seen a leader quite like Kenneth Murray. He's unbelievable. I mean, and, and again, leadership goes beyond just being the raw, raw guy on the field. It, it's, he, he literally, he walked me through his, like, daily um, routine in season, and it's just unbelievable. Dude gets up at 5 a.m. and might stay up till 11 p.m. watching film, and does extra workouts and then you know he's he's dedicated to um you know his craft and learning the game and making sure that mentally he is the most prepared person on that field because you are as a linebacker the quarterback on the field I think what's important to note about Kenneth Murray and again I'm not Teddy Lehman so I'm not going to go in and, and really like dissect him as you know the X's and O's of being a linebacker but he didn't. He never played the position. He never played linebacker until he got to Oklahoma. He was a defensive end. That's and he's done it in three years. He became the first freshman to start at OU at inside linebacker since like I can't even remember. It was a long time. So I think he he got thrown into the position because of um, injuries and then uh, you know didn't have any time. And so I think and then he only had one year 
under Alex Grinch with Brian Odom, his coaching staff changed, the defensive um, schemes changed. So I think, you know, I think the, the best is yet to come. I think it, you're just beginning to see this, the, just the surface scratched from Kenneth Murray. And I think he's going to be able to continue to develop that at the next level. And I think teams see that. It's mm -hmm. still pretty raw for Kenneth Murray. So you're basing it off of, of him really only playing linebacker for three seasons. But, but you know the type of person that you're going to get in that locker room to represent your organization. That's what, to me, sells Kenneth Murray. Unbelievable leader. He's going to do everything right. And he's going to make a huge impact in his community. He has the best heart of, of any athlete I think I've ever known. Um, wanting to do do things for other people and, and volunteer his service. And so I think all of that kind of goes into making Kenneth Murray this package deal that could um, that could potentially see him land in the first round. You could argue he has a really high ceiling, only been playing his position for a handful of years. Okay, we have to talk about quarterback Jalen Hurts. It seems like there has been some positive talk surrounding him and possibly moving him up on some of the team's list. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think this is probably the most intriguing storyline when you're talking yeah. to senior guys, because I think there's still just like a lot of unknown. I mean, I think some people have him projected going first round, late first round, and some people have him projected not, maybe going third round. I, it's just, I think, again, it's going back to what I said. It's going to depend on who takes what where um, and when. And um, But... I, I do think he's being he's he's very interesting to teams just simply for seeing what Lamar Jackson has done at the at the next level. I mean, obviously, I think Jalen was at Alabama. There's no doubt he was talented with his feet, but just one year uh, under the tutelage of Lincoln Riley and his arm has improved tremendously. He he wowed people um, at, at pro day because that was a big question. I, I should uh, he. It was a big question for him is could he consistently throw the football? And I think, um, you know, teams saw that from him at Pro Day. Chris Plank actually just had told, said something very interesting on a call that I was on with him for Spotlight. He said, um, you know, everything obviously got shut down. So not, not every program got to have their Pro Day. So Oklahoma was one of the seven schools that got to have an on-campus Pro Day. And, of course, they're not they're not doing, um, you know, visits. They're not doing workouts with, with players. So he's actually one of the people that got to sell himself. So some of those questions that maybe you work out at Pro Day, a lot of the players might not have gotten to got, get that opportunity. Jalen Hurts got that. Um, again, I think um, a, a guy that's going to do things right um, when you're talking about investing money in a player and um, – the representative that you're going to be for that organization, Jalen Hurts is another one of those guys. So I think, again, seeing what he did under one year with Lincoln Riley, seeing what Lamar Jackson did, and and you know the success that he's been able to have, and you know just just, again, just a pure athlete, a playmaker, uh, the it factor, all those things. Um, it's just going to be what team he fits with. I don't think I realized that so few schools got a pro day. That's Insane. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. I knew that it was. I knew that it not was not very much, and I knew that this thing has affected everything about this draft and yeah. about the NBA draft, about the Major League Baseball draft. But I think for for football, especially too, like what people might not realize is, yeah, you have your pro day, but then after your pro day, players go and have individual workouts. With teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they have individual meetings. They fly out to those those 
towns, those cities, or they might fly into to the players and have individuals. That's not happening. So yeah. um, I think just the fact that Jalen Hurts and, and, and not just Jalen, but some of these other guys um, were able to have that day to kind of sell themselves was really big. Well, this brings us, this is a great transition into being able to sell themselves. Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle for the Sooners, actually just penned a letter to NFL GMs on Players Tribune this week. And he said, when I ran a 479 40-yard dash at the NFL Combine in February, a lot of people were surprised. It was the second fastest time by any interior defensive lineman. And then later he writes, he thinks he could have run even faster. He ends the letter with, and remember, my very best football is still ahead of me. Jess, I pose this question. What have you learned about this player over the years? Oh, well, he's exactly right. And nobody, I'm telling you, nobody was shocked that Neville Gallimore put up that time mm -hmm. if within the Oklahoma football program because I, I did a feature on him. Um, I've done a, three features on him. And um, – Again, from Canada, he was the number one recruit from Canada and um, out of his draft class was the first all, first Canadian to be named a, a, a Army All-American, high school All-American. Um, so I think raw athleticism, no doubt. Uh, and so I did the feature on him and talking about how he, he um, you know, had kind of burst onto the scene a little bit. And Calvin Thibodeau, I'll never forget, said that if, you know, they were drafting a back team um, at the time and this is I think Neville was a sophomore at this time that Neville would be at the top of a lot of people's draft boards within the Oklahoma football team he he, he was a great basketball player and so you know and, and raw athleticism he could jump out of the gym he could dunk a basketball and could dunk a basketball at 13 years old so I think just uh you know again the the pure raw athleticism is off the charts and probably perhaps a lot of the coaches and players within the OU football program would have said he's one of the most athletic on the entire team over the last several years. I don't think anybody was surprised by him running that 40 time. Again, another player talked about Kenneth Murray. Calvin Thibodeau said when, when Neville first got here, he never put his hand on the ground. He had never played from the down position. He was extremely overweight, had no idea how to actually play, you know, organize football at this high of a level it was just remarkable and it was hard for him when he first got here, but the, the um, transition that he made from when he started to win, he, he ended is uh, again, remarkable. And I think as he mentioned, just beginning to scratch the surface. And, and I think he was able to show a little bit of what he did, uh, what he could do again in Alex Grinch's defense only under in under in that defense for one year, um, I remember, um, you know, last year when Coach Grinch first got here and I was doing interviews and, uh, you know, the, the defensive linemen were, were just loving it because kind of like letting them loose and go make plays and just, you know, uh, kind of take the thinking out of it and, hey, let's, let's just go wreck some havoc. And that was so exciting to them. And so I think Neville Gallimore, you're just – he, it just hasn't been able to see – you haven't seen his best yet. And I think, again, another one of those guys that is going to be able to – going to continue to be able to um, grow and mature and get better at the next level. Okay, so Parnell Motley, now he did get a pro day, but basically the day before everything was shut down due to COVID-19. 
simply put, what are your thoughts on this guy? Well, I think if you uh, are looking for a sell on Parnell Motley, look no further than to uh, Roy Manning. I mean, that dude can sell him unlike anybody. But I think, you know, what Roy Manning says is, is so true. Look what Parnell Motley did on a daily basis against some of the best offenses in the country in the Big 12. He was the highest rated cornerback in the Big 12 last year. His numbers were astounding. He was very good at the Reese's uh, Senior Bowl, um, was the highest graded cornerback there as well. So the growth that he made, um, and, and the numbers don't lie, and I, and I think that's, you know, people get caught up in maybe the plays that you give up, but as a cornerback, as a defensive back in the big 12, you're going to give up plays. Um, and so I think it's, that's Alex Grinch is saying you can have a bad play, but you can have a bad day. It's how do you respond to that? And I think that's what Parnell Motley did. Teams didn't really, a lot of times didn't even target him much because I mean, and he was matching up against number one, number one receivers. They didn't even target him very much. But then just then you look at the, the completion percentage of, and the, what he did, the numbers, or just they speak for himself. But what Parnell will credit that to is going up against CeeDee Lamb every single day in practice. You're going up against the best, arguably, potentially the best receiver in this draft. You're mm -hmm. going to get better. And, um, you know, Roy Manning told me in an interview that it was every day this entire year, Parnell Motley refused to match up against anybody else it was he he whether it was in team in one-on-ones drills whatever it might be Parnell wanted CD and then that's what coach Manning said that hey you did it in practice that what you're going to see on Saturday is going to be you've already seen the best it's yeah you know, it's going to be easier than what you see every day in practice so it prepared him it pushed him it made it, it made him better and, um, I mean, look at the senior year he had. It, it was phenomenal. So, I think um, – and, and, again, a lot of these defensive guys, you're just seeing them – you know, they had to switch defenses. And so, I think with Parnell, uh, again, a guy that maybe might be a late-round guy, maybe be a undrafted free agent, but either way could be a steal and could go on and, and do um, – make a name for himself with a, with a team somewhere. Round one starts – Thursday and Jess that's all those are all the questions I have for you all right yeah so uh, that will do it on uh, this week's podcast uh, follow us at Jessica Cootie at Meg underscore underscore McDonald hit us up email Twitter Facebook wherever you can find us let us know uh, who you want to hear from who you like to have on as guests what you like what you don't like uh, we're open to any and all suggestions and we appreciate you guys listening if you've made it this far thank you <laughs> And uh, we'll, we'll uh, talk to you next week here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.